It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. I'm not going to be the only one making the case for the city I love. I am going to have three, three guests today to make the case for the city that they love. Um, I'm going to go in reverse order. We're going to end with Carol Alt, who's going to fill us in on what happened last week at Fashion Week here in New York City. Then, in reverse order... We are going to have the exclusive interview with Frank Carone, the chief of staff, who uh, it was announced yesterday that he will be leaving at the end of this calendar year after working basically for a year and a half with Mayor Adams. Uh, I believe it's the first uh, TV or interview that he, uh, he's given since he announced his departure. And momentarily, we're going to have Tom Harris because it's, Times Square Tuesdays. But just to talk, to make the case for the city I love and tie it all into this show and me. Um, Today in 1970, the Rolling Stones live album, Get Your Yaya's Out, started a two-week run at number one on the UK chart. And take a guess where it was recorded where you could hear Jumpin' Jack Flash and Honky Tonk Woman and live, unbelievable version of Midnight Rambler. Take a guess where it was recorded. Well, I'm on 45th Street. It was 11 blocks from here south. Yes, at Madison Square Garden on on uh, November 27th and 28th, 1969. I wasn't even two. The Rolling Stones. Play it. There we go, Matt Sambolino behind the boards, spinning them out. Uh, there we go, and I got Tom Harris here bouncing his head up and down. Uh, very, very excited for this city that I love. And um, go, Mick, go. Madison Square Garden. I don't know if the Stones are ever going to play Madison Square Garden again, but I can tell you who's going to play Madison Square Garden again. Springsteen, he's coming to the Garden. Uh, he's also coming to the Barclays Center. He's only 70. These guys are 79s. Jumping Jack Flash. So um, we are going to move from Madison Square Garden up north a little bit to Times Square. Uh, before we get to Chief of Staff Frank Carone and then uh, Carol Alt, let's talk to our friend from Times the, the man who makes Times Square, Times Square these days, Tom Harris. How are you, Tom? I'm doing great, Arthur. Thanks so much for having me. And, and Times Square makes Times Square, Times Square, and the people of New York make it great. It's buzzing. I mean, I, I walked past there. I, I, I drove through there today. Um, or, I don't, between UN week, you know, last week was Fashion Week. It was nuts here. 
This week is UN week. It's even more nuts here. Um, but Times Square is always a little nuts. And I say that in the best sense of the word. So talk to me about it. So we try to create the greatest Times Square experience possible. We, we found out over the last couple of years that New Yorkers have rediscovered Times Square, and we want to give them a great experience when they come here. So, so what are we doing? How do we make it a great experience in Times Square? Tom? We're doing a lot of programming. We have uh, our TSQ Live program. We have programming four nights a week, tonight until 9 o'clock. You'll, you'll find a DJ series in Times Square in the 43rd Street Plaza. Tomorrow night, we have a Crossroads concert with Russian Samovar. Uh, we've been doing this every every week with different restaurants that have performances. So tomorrow night's Russian Samovar. Thursday night is Jazz in Times Square. And Friday, we have Carnegie Hall in Times Square. What's Carnegie Hall? That's a little, that's a little, Times Square is a little south for Carnegie Hall. Yeah, so, so we have some performers from Carnegie Hall performing uh, on our stage at 46th Street and Broadway for a couple of hours just to, to surprise and delight folks before they go to the theater. Now, this is what, classical music? What kind of performance? Uh, it's all different, different types of, of music they, they will play. Okay. You know, I was with um, Rudy Giuliani today for a while. We had a great conversation, um, and uh, he's I, – I really enjoy him, and he was in, in great form and spirits today and really helping with a big case that he's working on with us. Um, and he was sharp as a tack, I may add. So I spoke to him. I told him we were doing the Times Square thing, and obviously he had a huge part to do with cleaning up Times Square. And um, I'm just telling this because I learned it today – one of the key things that they did when he came in was they added a lot more police officers on horseback so to give them the better vantage point. And I said, what were you targeting? He's like, well, besides obvious like drug dealing stuff, um, pickpockets and purse snatchers. Um, and basically the they were different undercover, plain clothes, not like today where they're all the plain clothes cops are just wearing not uniforms, but they're wearing dressed down police gear and when the uh nypd on the mounted unit would see something they had their walkie talkies and they knew which unit to deploy to go make the arrests and that was one of several ways in which Times square was cleaned up 25 20 whatever is almost like is it 30 years ago yeah 30 Probably years about ago 30 years almost, ago almost 28 and, um, and that continues to today. We that, have, well, that's what I was going to ask you. Let's talk because everyone's got crime on their mind. So let's talk about crime, Tom Harrison, in, in, in Times Square. So Times Square, I think we're doing well. Uh, I've said this before. We have the greatest police department in the world. Uh, Mayor Adams, Commissioner Sewell have really um, focused on Times Square. Chief Madry, Chief Corey, we have a lot of police officers dedicated to Times Square, and then each day we have officers that come from all over the city to keep the men and women who, who visit Times Square safe. If you walk through the streets, you feel safe. And I, I've noticed a difference over the last couple of months. I've seen the police be a little bit more proactive. I've seen the other city agencies stepping up. To, what about to, garbage? You know, I went to lunch today with my buddy uh, um, Alan, who's a very prestigious lawyer here. He loves lives here in Manhattan, and he's very concerned about the garbage and, and everything that comes along with the garbage. So we work very hard. The Times Square Alliance has a sanitation team of about um, 80 sanitation workers who work tirelessly 22 hours a day to keep Times Square clean. Um, we have our own garbage truck. We remove about 600 bags of garbage to city sanitation, and we really strive 
to make Times Square as clean as possible. And pivoting back to crime, you know, walking through there the other night, a lot of guys trying to sell me drugs, a lot of, especially the weed stuff. Um, so I, you know, I know we're a little conflicted because it's legal, but it's not legal for some dude to be standing on the corner saying, I got, I got roll joints, I got loose joints, I got this, that. So mm-hmm. uh, is there any concern about, you know, that was whole Giuliani's whole broken windows theory. You know, you, you arrest those people and it leads to bigger crime. Uh, is, there, is that something that you're... Uh, security team as well as the NYPD is focusing on? I can tell you I am hyper-focused on that because I remember when we were more concerned with putting handcuffs on police officers and keeping them from doing their job than putting handcuffs on the criminals. And I remember what happened in the 90s when we took the handcuffs off the the police and put them on on the criminals. So I think we're in 2022 now and we different strategies to address this, but we can't lose sight of disorder leading to disorder. So I am hyper-focused on the weed dealers. We worked very closely with Mayor Adams and his administration to clean up the weed trucks in Times Square. And the they got people, towed away, right? There's big articles in the paper about it, correct? They got, they got towed away. They, 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 um, uh, uh, we forgot a lot about how we can police the city during the pandemic. And they've, well, they've, the, the, the city, I think, has realized that we have to move back a little bit towards proactive enforcement. They took care of the weed trucks. They have also taken care of, of the people selling the weed on the street. I think that that our legislators all too often are decriminalizing things without coming up with a scheme to to address the 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 disorder left behind. So we've been working very closely with Mayor Adams and the administration for effective strategies to deal with it. People should know that Tom Harris, our guest here speaking about Times Square, was also had a great career in the NYPD. So um, we're very fortunate to have him as such an integral part of Times Square, because let's face it. For a lot of New Yorkers, it is the, the, the face of New York City. And we got 30 seconds left. Phantom of the Opera is leaving. What do you have to say, Tom Harris? Look, a lot of shows are, are going to be opening in the next couple of months. Um, we have Broadway Week now for the, next, for the next five days. You can still get discounts. Phantom's going to close, and that's sad. But we have almost 20 shows opening up between oh, now great. and the end of the year. I'm, I, am, I am very, very excited. All right, folks. Thank you to Tom Harris, and this is uh, Times Square Tuesday. We are coming back with Chief of Staff Frank Carone from uh, City Hall, and uh, this is the first interview he's giving here on AM 970 The Answer. Don't leave the Author Idola Power Hour. We'll be right back. Wow, Sam Bellino busting out the jam, a town called Malice. That was now. Is that off the list that I gave you, Sam Bellino? No, that I found that one by accident. And I love. I that played song. it for you once before, and you loved it, so I had to do it I, again. I, I love it. I love it. So here's something you're gonna love. Um, you're gonna love our friends at Connors and Sullivan because if you live in New York, you have to pay close attention because there's a real deadline. If your loved one needs home care benefits, the law governing New York is it, the law it, that that controls here in New York is scheduled to change January 1, 2023. This is important. Uh, there's a real deadline. All 2023 financial transactions, 30 months prior to the application for benefits, will be scrutinized and subject to penalty periods, including gifts to family members. So financial transfer- transfers must be made and benefits applications must be submitted before December 31st to ensure eligibility and protect your assets. 
The time to plan is now. Connors and Sullivan attorneys at laws are experts in this area and can help you get in under the deadline. But you must, I repeat, must start the process as soon as possible before the start of December to complete by the end of the year. Call Connors and Sullivan today. Don't delay. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Gregory Floyd, host of Reaching Out, gets answers to the tough questions from people in the know. I had two guests, Christopher Bion and Vito Pitta, attorneys with Pitta Bion. It's been almost 18 years since the 9-11 attack. We hear about first responders dying from 9-11 related cancers. Do you think this is the beginning of the end of that cancer epidemic relating to 9-11, or is it the end of the beginning? We don't have a full picture of everyone that was exposed. So while first responders, uniformed personnel, recovery workers were very much aware of the Zadroga Act, everyone else that was below Canal Street may not know that, one, they were exposed, and two, that they are potentially eligible for health care and compensation because of that exposure. It's Reaching Out with Gregory Floyd at a new time, Saturday afternoon at 2.30 and again at 9 p.m. on AM 970, The Answer. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. Welcome back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour. I am so excited to have on a very, very, very dear friend for many, many years, actually decades, I could say now. The Honorable, the man who is behind uh, the handsome mayor of the city of New York, the chief of staff of New York City's mayor, Frank Carone. Hello, Mr. Carone. How are you, sir? Hey, Arthur. Great to talk to you. Thank you for that. Going to jump right in, Mr. Carone. The, the gray lady, the New York Times, quote, I wanted to recruit the team take a deep dive into agencies and build a culture for that team of no drama and getting things done. That's the quote in the New York Times in yesterday's article where that announced that you will be leaving at the end of the year. Um, I know that that was uh, the, always the plan. The mayor has verified that, but you as my friend have verified it, that that was always the plan. Um, so I would like to be a little loyally and just break this down, this, this particular quote in the New York Times. I wanted to recruit the team. So tell the folks, give them a little inside baseball of when Eric Adams won the primary in June, which was a little bit of a nail biter with that new voting system we had, ranked choice voting. Uh, I think everyone was cautiously optimistic he was going to defeat Curtis Sliwa. So in June, uh, is that when you started recruiting the team? You know, let me just back up a second, Arthur, because there's some some background that whether and, and foundations that you should know. Before I answer that question, and just two points I want to make. One, during the campaign, 
the the mayor was very very clear and we campaigned on on a, a certain philosophy which was a no drama philosophy meaning let's stay focused on the goal you know ignore background noise that's the term we would use we would stay focused and the mayor would often say you know we're running a campaign against ourselves meaning we're not going to worry about what other campaigns do or say we're not going to react and pivot because someone's you know going left we have to go right or they're going up we're going to go down we just kind of said this is our mission this is our goal we stay focused and ignore it all and from that sort of mantra and philosophy we we just kept going through the transition and it was the same exact same exact thought process that sort of brought us through our cumulative history in our lives um for the transition which was build a team of um, emotionally intelligent, you know, folks who could put egos aside, who are dedicated servants, who have successes in their lives, who we could have a calm dialogue, because we knew inevitably there will be storms, and we needed a team that would not overreact if they focused during those storms. And I said to the mayor just recently at a breakfast, I said, you know, we are really so proud to be amongst this, this, this group that we've assembled. There's such dedicated public servants. It's actually awe-inspiring. And I said to him, you know, I really can't thank you enough. I don't know what got into your head to think me, think of me to do this job, but uh, I, I, I can never say thank you enough. It's been an amazing opportunity um, and a privilege to serve this city and all the people who are so dedicated to it. I have to tell you, even during my travels, when I sort of advocate for New York and making sure New York is once again the epicenter of international uh, attention and trade and commerce, it's incredible how much folks around the world want to be part of what we have here in New York. And it's, it's been a great privilege. So the team is part of that. Yes. It was okay. Where can we get the best talent, but also uh, it's, you know, sometimes you could be, you know, talented, but hard to work with and and difficult um, and emotional. And everyone has emotions, of course, but we have to manage those in the context of the greater good. And I think that's what great coaches do, and, and, and that's what we try to do. And I'm, I'm happy to, to look around this uh, city hall and this team and look and this group down from right right down to those who do scheduling and, and and photography. Everyone is totally dedicated to this mayor and to this city, and it's really uh, inspiring. And it's going to be a little melodramatic to turn my attention to the campaign, but truthfully, um, it was a, a labor of love, and I, I believe that we've accomplished a, a, a world class team here. Well, very well said, and, and thank you. That was a lot of information there, Frank. Hey, we're talking to Frank Carone, the chief of staff of the city of New York, who made headlines yesterday announcing that he'll be leaving at the end of the year, which was planned all along. <clears throat> we have um, five female deputy mayors. Was that planned, or is that just that just fell into uh, shape, and that those are the people you happen to select, and they just happen to be five women? Yeah, I'm looking at a photo of our, our great... DMs right now, and it was not planned. And actually, until it happened, did we really realize it? We just went to the the, the best and the brightest, and, and with all the characteristics I just said, um, emotionally intelligent, you know, totally dedicated to New York, great public servant, um, eagle, and it just they were the best that we could find, and I was so proud of them. And it's an incredible pleasure to work with, not only as leaders but as as human beings really uh, uh, an incredible honor to know them all. And um, that, that's why I have a, a photo of them on my wall which in City Hall, which I'm very proud of. But no, that just happened. So you said in that same quote that I read earlier that um, 
you know, you wanted you wanted to take a deep dive into agencies. Uh, I, I was talking to Judge Leventhal right before you came on, and the question he came up with is: Now that you've been in in this deep into taking deep dives into the agencies, what weaknesses does Frank Caron see in city government in general, and how can they be improved upon? So one of the again, which goes back to one of our you know our campaign promises and what the mayor has believed his entire life, and it was that you know the agencies coexist and complement one another. He would often say on the campaign, you know, if we're if the Department of Health is advocating for healthy eating, yet in the Board of Education we're serving kids processed meats, conflicting with the health of the kids from one agency to another. Just as one small example, and that breaking down the silos is going to be an ongoing challenge. And the only way we can really get to that is by understanding their missions and how they interact with one another. So what we try to do is we get on the phone with the staff of every agency um, or in a, in a Zoom or in person once a month. We do it for IG. We do it for comp. We do it for general councils. And we do it with the commissioners. And by getting all of those you know, levels together on one place with one, you know, mission, we're doing our best to break that down. So the judge is right to ask that question. And one of the things that we kind of think about a lot is a lesson I learned in a book when I was speaking at the Harvard School of Government. I met a fellow named Mitch Weiss and he wrote a book called We, the Possibility, which talks about, you know, um, risk-taking in government or entrepreneurial government. And we, it's a spin-off of We, the People, but We, the Possibility talks about example. Uh, when government thinks out of the box for results and doesn't just default to what they've always done just because it's a safe way to do it, regardless of whether it worked or not, um, that's where, to answer the exact question, they'll need to improve upon and give people the safe place to do that and the ability to come up with an idea and, 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 not, and not be afraid to explain it. That came to my second point about creating a culture. We... On, on January 1, we met in the cow, which is a, uh, uh, one of our room, uh, conference rooms on the second floor at 8 a.m. And the mayor uh, went around the room, let everyone discuss, you know, what their goals are, why they're here. And we, we talked about a book called The Culture Code, written by Daniel Coyle. And in that book, it talks about institutions that succeed are those that create a culture where um, individuals are allowed to express ideas freely without being criticized or without, um, you know, trying to just give a safe answer. And that sort of freedom of speech and idea is where amazing thoughts uh, really uh, is awesome. So those are the kind of things you want to encourage in an organization. And culture, you know, really trumps all else. And we work very, very hard on our culture here. And <laughs> we always have more work to do. We like to be critically and self-examined. Um, but, you know, it's uh, something I think every organization should really aspire to create a culture towards a goal at all times. So, Frank, what I what I make very clear to my listeners who I always try to be honest with is, number one, my relationship with you, but also with Eric Adams and other people in the administration. And I say I'm somewhat challenged to uh, be objective. But people know our relationship. People know that on this show, on AM 970, The Answer, you know, I'm always pumping up the mayor and the administration. Um, and a lot of times I'm in a defensive position. So what does Frank Carone, the the chief of staff of, of the city of New York's mayor, 
how to say, uh, maybe you could school me. So when I'm out in the street playing defense, when they say, well, Adams is in, he's almost a year. I got to tell you, he's nowhere as good as Giuliani was because Giuliani already had things cleaned up the first year. And I got to tell you, he's almost as bad as de Blasio was. So now I know what my talking points are, but who am I? I'm just a little country lawyer in here in Manhattan. What does the chief of staff have to say to to defend the administration from those criticizing it? First of all, I would, you know, I don't ever uh, compare our administration against any other. That's not how we measure ourselves. We, we measure ourselves by our own yardsticks. Nobody's more critical on himself than the mayor. There's nobody more critical on myself than me. And everyone around here um, make sure that they get up every morning and do the, their very, very, very best. That's that's first and foremost. But I, we, we, we have a team meeting every day at 8 a.m. And every day at 8 a.m., we haven't we don't miss a day. We don't start at 301. We start at 8 a.m. every day, punctual on the dot. And the, the leadership, the chancellor, the police commissioner, first deputy, all our deputy mayors, et cetera, the mayor, our, our comms team, Intergov, we go over what's in store for today and what, how we need each other, what challenges things that we we need for the day. And that has put us in a position to deal with it. And that deep dive into the agency during transition allowed us to hit the ground running January 1. What, what people don't measure sometimes is the ability to handle crises. And our team has handled crisis after crisis calmly and has been a, a, a shelter in a storm. First three weeks, seven officers were shot to or were tragically killed. We had an infant shot back of his head while, uh, while his uh, mother was holding him in the car while his father went to the pharmacy to buy um, for, for their family. Uh, women pushed onto the subway tracks. Five alarm fire with 17 people died. Omicron, whether we're going to put class, keep classes open and keep classes closed, bringing the economy back, fighting with Albany over changes in the law, effectuating those changes in the law, and, and, and so on and so on and so on. And we have done it all, and we've moved the needle on significant projects, pushing for the DNC to bring a convention here, moving the needle on a, a portal walk, BQE, uh, a, a life sciences hub in Midtown. And, and we can go wait, on. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Frank, because my next question was to talk about some of the, the things that you made, and you're rattling them off so quick, real real fast. Where I'm contradicting myself by saying real fast, but I, I know you, you, you're... You, Working hard. Has the Democratic National Convention committed to coming to New York? No, no. and I'm sorry for going. You're right. I just get so excited for your question about how to defend. And I think you'll see, you know, in hindsight, what this administration has done in its first year. When the well, year let's focus up. on not- let's focus on the positive. Okay, we're going to take a quick break right here, and then we're going to come back with Chief of Staff of City Hall, Frank Carone. Hi, this is Arthur from the Arthur Idala Power Hour. I love Times Square. It is one of the reasons I started hosting a Times Square Tuesday segment for news from the crossroads of the world. In collaboration with Tom Harris, president of the Times Square Alliance, we have a special Times Square show on Thursday, October 13th at 6 p.m. I'm going to be live in Times Square. I'm so excited. We will be interviewing several proprietors of the fabulous restaurants in Times Square, which is an international dining destination and it includes restaurant row on 46th street seriously folks you could get 
African, Caribbean, Chinese, French, Indian, Irish, Italian, and Japanese food, to say the least. Don't forget the street meat, whether it's pre or post theater. You're just walking around as a tourist, a late night snack, lunch. Times Square has so much to offer. So stay tuned for our special show on the Author Idola Power Hour, October the 13th, 6 p.m., live from Times Square, and come hungry. Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. Freehold Mitsubishi or call 732-863-2788. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Okay, folks, welcome back to AM 970. The answer, this is Arthur Idala on the Arthur Idala Power Hour, and we're back with Chief of Staff of City Hall, Frank Carone. Rattle off five five things that Frank Carone is proud of this administration for. Let me let me answer you the, the, the Democratic National Convention question first. And the answer is no. We had to go through. Uh, it's an interesting story. Uh, we had to put a, a bid in in three weeks, and we had a, we put the bid in. We went to Washington. We gave our all presentation. The members of the technical advisory group in New York to showcase the brilliance of New York, both logistically, um, pain wise, social economically, all those ways. And we we, we did a, we did a great job with that. We then went um, we then went back down to DC and, and had another round. And all, here is what we said: Wow, you all left it all on the field. And hearing that, we did our very best. Made me extremely proud of this team and our efforts. Not we don't know we can't control the result if someone is making a decision. What we can control is our effort, and our effort was was really the best. And that was and that was done. Another, another accomplishment is, again, as I said earlier, the, our ability to handle mayor's ability to do that, to bring the children back to school and be clear about it, and folk, to um, have our work in city government to the office. I can't tell you when we're out with the we hear often and, and time and time again, your clarity of message has given us cover. We are now starting to get people back, but if, but for your clarity, I'm not sure what would have happened with the alacrity that it has happened. That is something you may not measure, but that means 
with that message of clarity and decisiveness. We didn't vacillate. We took some hits for it, but we did it. And we, that's in and of itself. You mentioned something about the BQE, which I know for people who drive is very uh, important. What was that? So the, B, the BQE has a couple of issues. First, the triple can portion over uh, needs to be repaired. So the previous plan was to repair the triple cantilever and then reimagine the rest of the BQE corridor-wide into the future. We came in and we said, no, let's repair the triple cantilever because we have well, let's fit, let's make a plan now, once and for all, that fit, that you know takes into consideration a unique opportunity with full similar dollars, our, our opportunities to work in partnership with the state government, the federal government, to correct mistakes in the entire corridor wide, both north and south. That took a lot of political coverage, a lot of and we're not there yet, but we're, we're very very close to effectuating a plan. I think it was an editorial in the Daily News this week. We announced our plan and our intention to begin community-wide engagement, and we're doing it on a short, strict timeline. I think it was last week. And just taking on that, you know, dicey problem, which has escaped the administrations in and of itself was a victory. First, the intent to take the, you know, strength to take it on and the willingness to keep plowing through obstacles. And we, I think we're getting close to accomplishing that. I'm very, very proud to be part of that. This team did that as well. So I know you got to go. The last last question, and again, this comes from Judge Leventhal, um, who who obviously is very friendly with you, and and he's my law partner. He wanted he asked me to ask you the um, how has your law degree and running a law firm uh, prepared you for the current position you're in as as chief of staff at the city hall, and what is your life different? How is your life different from running a major law firm and going to all of those meetings and bringing in clients and litigating in court from the, the tasks at hand as running, uh, helping the mayor, uh, being the assistant to the mayor running the city of uh, New York? It's a, great, it's a great question. And when people know I've told both kids they major in business in college and both go to law school, whether or not they become lawyers and practice law, that language, that skill is going to be invaluable to them. I thought you were going to ask if the judge was going to ask me how many push-ups I can do. You can't keep up with him, but go ahead. All right, we'll see. Well, it's another challenge I'm up for, but we'll talk about that another day. But the, the truth is, uh, it's, I, let, me, let me answer it a different way. My, it's the clients and the experience representing those clients that have given me an incredible experience. Why? Because living vicariously through their problems, the, the almost 30 years of doing so has given me an insight into how to handle problems and he, and giving, you know, giving problems the proper perspective. Of course, being the Marine Corps and, and understand what big picture means gives me perspective. But you learn through your clients. And when you have a diverse practice, you know, you know over 100 lawyers, you hear almost everything. At least you think you, so you, at least you, think you hear almost everything. As you know, there's always that one crazy story that you thought you heard it all, but you haven't. <laughs> an incredible um, you know, perspective to look to, through the lens of my collective client experience. I, I read a quote recently, you know, your life is a cumulative, where one experience builds on another, builds on another, until you have this body of experience. And it's been incredibly helpful in the law, you know, being an attorney and working in a law firm, managing a law firm, and, and solving folks' problems. No different here, except I'm working way harder uh, than I did in the 30 years combined as a lawyer, almost 30 years combined as a lawyer. That I should tell you. And if I worked this hard then, I probably would have a thousand more. 
Yeah, I, I, I always ask you, Frank, when we speak personally, I say, are you having fun? And you always hesitate. You're like, I'm not exactly sure it's fun. It's it's very interesting. It's hard work. It's challenging. But, you know, I, 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 I hope I'm not talking out of school. But Frank, when I first met Frank, he didn't even know how to spell golf. And then he became like a really avid golfer and, and very, very good at it. And when we hung out last week, I said, how many times have you golfed in 2022? And I'll allow you to answer that question, Mr. Carone. I think I was able to put together the four letters and spell it, but I know he But the truth is, um, I played once and it was no fun because I, I wasn't very good. And that's a, it is a passion of mine, as you know, and, and it's going to hopefully in the future, you know, you know, continue to be a passion. And my son, I'm proud to say, played in a tournament on Monday. But again, this again, people ask me all the time, you having fun? It's not the right question because it's not a fun job. It shouldn't be. But it is an amazing privilege. And an opportunity to serve the city and alongside such dedicated folks, one that I'll never forget, and I've been irrevocably changed. I told this to the man, you know, I'll never be the same. And I, I thank you. I'm not going but, very but, far. But in what, in what way, Frank? I mean, let's face it. You and I have lived a very privileged life, and and thanks to our parents and our grandparents. Have you been exposed to to problems and, and people dealing with real issues that, you know, you've never really seen before? Are you Would you say you're more empathetic, more sympathetic? Uh, has your heart opened up or, or just the opposite? Have you seen people squander opportunities? How has it changed, yeah. Frank Carone? Everyone will always squander an opportunity. That's just human nature. But it's it just been I am definitely more empathetic watching folks. You know, who care so much about public safety, to and that includes folks coming through the court system, to watching the amazing asylum seekers who are documented assilies, you know, hear their stories of traversing the jungles of Venezuela, South America, the Gulf, Central America, Mexico, get on a bus just for a, a live a dream that all of our ancestors were afforded the same opportunity. That is something that is an amazing privilege to witness, to be on the scene when there's a tragedy and, 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 you know, be part of the team and watching the mayor lead a solution in a calm manner. These are privileges. And, um, and just being able to be in the street and listen to people's problems and know that maybe we could change that and put together a system of government that responds to people's needs and they understand what, the, what they're getting for their tax dollars. All in all, an amazing privilege and experience. Again, living vicariously to everyone here. Um, it's just been... Uh, uh, something very, very rewarding. But I would not call it fun, uh, to be honest. <laughs> All right. Well, I promise you when this is over, you and I will go out and have some fun. Uh, you know, everyone wants to know what you're doing next. I know the answer to that question is that you don't know what you're doing next, correct? I mean, I you know you're, you know you're going to be, be involved with the uh, – seriously involved with the mayor's reelection campaign, campaign. But in terms of your, your skills as a lawyer and as a businessman, you're not making any big announcements about your next step, correct? No, not at all. I, the only thing I know is I'm going to be chairing the campaign with the mayor, and I'm going to be spending time with my family in a meaningful way, which I, I've, of course, had the opportunity to do. And, you know, I like challenges, so I'm, I'm anxious to see what's next and take a breather, and, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Um, and I'll think more about that towards the end of the year. But well, well maybe, maybe, maybe Judge Leventhal challenges some push-ups, and that'll be the biggest challenge that you'll have in uh, 2023. <laughs> Ladies right. and gentlemen, Frank Carone, Chief of Staff. We'll have him till the end of the year. We'll be so lucky. And, Frank, you know how proud I am and how psyched I am for you Thanks and your God. whole family. God bless. Thanks for Thank staying you. on so long, buddy. I'll talk to you in a little bit. Bye. That was Chief of Staff Frank Carone, who announced his resignation uh, that it takes place at the end of the year. 
Um, there was no controversy. There was no, there should be nothing, uh, looked at, the, looked at this with a skew in any way. Uh, it was the plan from all along. You know, Frank has been working basically since June. Uh, not, you know, everyone's thinking, oh, he's only been there since January. No, he's been there since June, uh, helping, uh, the mayor put his team together, as we heard, and then helping run the city. And, um, you know, they, I didn't bring it up for him, but there were, there were so many articles, especially in the Daily News, attacking him for uh, basically things in the past having to do with his law practice and people who he's represented in the past. Um, and it all came up to zero. There's no bar association complaints against him. There's no ethical complaints against him. There's It's just uh, people trying to sell newspapers. And I think that is one of the areas that our world needs to improve on. People who are out there making the sacrifice to go into public service. It's no secret that Frank Caron was making a lot of money as the, the executive partner in Abrams Fensterman, and he gave that up to do public service, and you heard him. It's a privilege. But instead of, of being praised, he gets beat up on sometimes. Although the, the, the New York Times did write a nice piece and, and the, yesterday, and they did indicate that he has uh, had zero controversy in his capacity as the chief of staff. Here on AM 970, The Answer, on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Um, we're very privileged uh, to have Frank come on as a regular guest, and he'll be on a couple more times until the end of the year. But since it was announced yesterday uh, that it, this was his departure, I believe this is the first, uh, at least, radio interview, the exclusive radio interview um, with the chief of staff after this announcement. So um, I'm, I'm very pleased to have him on, and hopefully, he gave you a little insight into how the city of New York is run. Don't go away. We're going to be back right back after these messages. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. So let's get serious for a second and talk about our friends at Connors & Sullivan because there's a real deadline coming up. The legislature changed some laws and you need to act now to make sure your family is protected. Basically, under the new law that comes into place on January 1st, 2023, the government is going to look back and see what you've done with your money over the last 30 months, so basically two and a half years, and to see if they're able to claw back any gifts that you've given to family members or anything along that sort where you were hiding money or giving money away so that you were eligible for uh, benefits specifically home care benefits. Financial transfers must be made and benefits applications must be submitted before December 31st to ensure eligibility and protect your assets. So Connors & Sullivan, attorneys at law, are experts in this area and can help you get in under the deadline. But you must start the process as soon as possible before the start of December to complete by the end of the year. So don't hesitate. This is a real deadline. We're not making this up. Look up the law on your own. Home care benefits in the state of New York. So call Connors & Sullivan today. Don't delay. It's 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. 
There's a lot to learn and understand when getting ready to buy a home. Having a right lending team in place who can help is important. The lending experts at Citizens Bank can answer your questions about home borrowing or how to get started with a mortgage pre-approval. Call Citizens Bank at 212-857-6668, 212-857-6668, and ask a citizen. Mortgages are offered and originated by Citizens Bank N.A., NMLS number 433960, Equal Housing Lender. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Started, uh, it started its two-week run at number one on the UK chart. It was recorded here in New in Madison Square Garden on the 27th and the 28th of, uh, of November of 1969, and that's why we're playing the Stones live. Uh, Sam Bellino the other day found a um, a channel on I don't know Spotify or something that had all the the Stones tunes live. So we talked about. Well, I mean, thank you, Frank Caroni. That was supposed to be, by the way, a 10-minute interview. It was a little longer than 10 minutes, uh, and I want to appreciate the time that he gave to us. And we can talk about Frank another time because I am so excited. We've talked about Broadway Week. We've talked about Restaurant Week. We have UN Week right now, which don't drive in the city. This is The, the highlight right now is the subway. Um, but last week, right after the Labor Day, was Fashion Week. And I said to Joan, I was like, there's only one person I want to talk about regarding Fashion Week, and that's our friend who I happen to share a birthday with on December the Fault, the lovely, intelligent, and always healthy Carol Alt. Hi, Carol. Hi, Arthur. Uh, oh, get, yeah. I, get, I get the uh, well, I mean, acclaim there. My friend Jerry was here is actually giving you a standing ovation. So <laughs> um, first of all, what's the origin of Fashion Week? Why is it here? When, talk, talk to me. Fill me in. I, what do I know about fashion? You know, actually, in the very beginning, we used to do all of these shows in the atelier. So I would go up to... What exactly is an atelier? So I would go up to, say, Calvin Klein's studio, and he would have where he would fit all the models and then we'd go out and we'd show it to buyers and then it started to be that there would be just for these buyers then then for all those editors and then they consolidated the shows so that they would do one show and they would have the buyers and the editors and and then their top clients all in one room and they would get 20 girls and they would walk and it was in the atelier right where he made the clothes then what happened was very smart and very wise um the that fran um, I'm sorry, Fern Malice said, you know what? We need to have this all in one place because during Fashion Week, I would run from Calvin Klein to Ralph Lauren, then down to Zhang Toy, then up to Dennis Basso, and you'd be running from show to show. The editors would be running from show to show, and Fashion Week would be like four weeks long. because, yeah and, <laughs> yeah, and everybody running all over the place trying to get. And Fern Malice said, you know what? And the CFDA, they, they, they smartly, they said, you know, we need to have this all in one place. So... After I quit modeling, I was already doing movies by this time, they decided that they were going to put everything right here in Bryant Park. 
And that was where my favorite place was. I loved coming to Bryant Park. They would put up the big tents. You knew Fashion Week was coming. It was supported by Mercedes-Benz, and everybody would show up. All and the, what's the purpose uh, of it? So, well, the purpose of it is to show the next next season's collection. So in the fall, you'd show spring, and that used to be for the buyers – and for the editors, the editors would borrow clothes and they should make the shoots for the magazines. The editors w- would, would then choose what was going to be the happening pieces. Then the buyers would say, this is going to work in New York and this will work in our stores in, in Dallas and this will work in our stores in Chicago and this other thing is going to work in our stores in L.A. So they would choose pieces for all the different stores because every region in the country has different tastes when it comes to clothes. And where did, and where did fashion, fashion Week start? In Paris, Milan, New York? L.A. or is it? Yes. Okay. Yes. I got all you. of them. Now, have you have you been to the one? <laughs> in, have I you been to the one in Milan? I I walked the ones in Milan. Whoa! I walked Dior. I walked Valentino. I walked uh, Ferre. I, I, so is that how you guys talk internally? Oh, who do you walk? Is that like a term? Like, yes. did you walk? Is that it? Yes. Did you walk this season? Oh. And in fact, the other day I was walking into Zengtoy and they said, "Are you walking?" I said, "No, I'm here to watch." Oh yes, I know. I saw a bunch of Facebook stuff and online stuff about everybody. Well, and Dennis Basta said, "Carol closed my show." So yeah, there's there's the lingo. There's the lingo. And are there like and now I saw it appeared to be like after parties and stuff like that yes. going on. Is that so? Talk to me about that scene a little bit. I skip out on that. Like I, I just. But that, does every designer have a like a little? Not everybody. You know, Zhang Toy had it, but Zhang knows me. He knows I'm not a party party cat, so I kind of. Waved from the door and left, you know, and Dennis had one because it was his, Dennis Basso, it was his 40th anniversary. So that was really kind of cool. Um, uh, Vivian Tam. Now, you know what, you know, what's so amazing is that all these designers all have different stories. They all have different ways they got to where they are and they all have different ways of staying there. And some disappear and come back and some will go through hard times because they're people. At the end of the day, all these designers are just people. So my friend Vivian Tam, Viv lost her long-term boyfriend. She kind of withdrew a little bit. She went back to Hong Kong. Luckily or unluckily, it was it was for her, it was lucky that there were no shows for the last couple of years. And then she just came back super strong this season. And I love people who come back from the abyss. Well, who, that's you, my job. But you know, crawl, to bring him, my job is yes. to bring him back from the abyss. But right, Carol, but she didn't need your kind of help. I understand. She that. needed a different kind of so help. Carol, <laughs> let me let me ask you this question: yes. As someone who doesn't wear those types of clothes, like you mean, as I'm sitting here in a bustier so tight, I have the vapors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Carol, Alt, for those of you who need a, she's a stunning. She's stunning. <laughs> um, who who wears these clothes? I mean, the clothes that are in these shows, they look like. I mean, it's like, when do they model the stuff that the Gap sells and Banana Republic sells? And like, where are the like the fo- stuff that Jerry and I wear? Like, where where's that show going on? Well, nobody wears what you wear, Arthur. Well, I'm I mean, sorry. You know, I saw around. those shoes when I came well, in. Well, we should do a Shoes Day uh, Tuesday video well, with it for Model Carol. I know Joan would love that. But <laughs> those are actually a little Milan, a Milan purchase. But yeah. where is there? Are there shows for like regular clothes? No. Well, you know, everybody does their line, and then. Some of these stores just rip off their ideas. Okay. So, and they do it on, on what they call the lower end. So you've got the high end, you've got the haute couture, you've got the pret-a-porter, which is the ready-to-wear, and then you've got the, these gaps in the H, H&M and all these other places. The Zara's, Zara's masterful at that. They always pick, like, the best pieces. And so Zara creates their own label based yeah. on – 
on you know they they see a they see a design somewhere or I mean certainly they create their own but they see a design somewhere and you can't really patent a design so it's not anything so uh, they can't another, do they do it now this is a men's question but you know everything about something something about everything so like who decides like. I'm wearing a tie. Like in the seventies they were wide. In the fifties they were narrow. And then the like where does that come and the the pants, they were wide bottoms, now they're tight bottoms and where does that all that come from? Is that just a trend? There is a secret panel. It's, it's like a in wizard a back room. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you lift the curtain. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm <laughs> talking about. And they send about. around a palette and they say this is the color of the season. Is yes. that it's something like that? It is. It is. Okay. And they send out, this is the color of the season. This year it's going to be seafoam green, and next year it's going to be, you know, purple. And, they, yeah, they do that. Is there any way to get ahead of the curve, or it's all guesswork? No, because they don't do it ahead of the curve. They kind of let you know when that season is coming. Although, I have to say something. Tommy Hilfiger did something really kind of incredible this year because he had to go against everything to do it. So – Every designer was creating their line because they do it three months in advance. So in the in the fall, you get the spring line. So they just show the spring lines. And then the buyers buy it. They put it in the stores. And by the time they get to the stores, it's spring. And who would these buyers be? Bergdorf Goodman, Bergdorf Saks Fifth Goodman, Avenue? Saks Fifth Avenue, right, okay. Neiman Marcus, right. uh, uh, Bloomingdale's. Okay. Yes, yeah. Um, now it's all social media people. Right, so I got you. They hold up their phone and they shoot the whole show and they put it on wherever they are. But what Tommy did was he said, no, I'm going to do it here and now. I'm going to do a winter show in winter, and I'm going to have people do click and buy. Oh, oh my gosh, that is so amazing. You can sit in the audience, because I can't tell you how many times I would see somebody would send me their show and say, tell us the pieces you like or if you want to borrow something or whatever. And I'd say, I want that piece for me. You have to wait three months. It comes out in the store. Then the stores you go in, they don't buy it. You ask the guy, can I buy it from you? You have to wait three months to get it. This is instant gratification. It's amazing. It's, it's kind of amazing. It's kind of what they've done with the car market. You know, Carvana. You just go on, you see a car, you click it, and then they get such a house in 24 hours. Exactly. Um, and you, you know, you didn't sit in or anything like that. Um, I'm talking to Carol Alt, who um, has taken me for the most part off of caffeine for years now. Um, <laughs> has reinforced my. Well, no, that's the truth. Yes, but with and, Italian boys, you got to get them off the gluten. Oh uh, yeah, 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 that's that's the big one. That's the big one. That's the um, big although one. Marianne, my bride, um, she does. She's basically gluten-free. So you know um, there's great gluten-free pasta. I know. I don't mm. know. And my, my mother-in-law has found a couple, and they're delicious. I would I have no problem admitting I would not know the difference. I just don't tell difference. people they're eating gluten-free because it's their brain that I gets agree in, with you. in the way of their mouth. I, I, actually, I would <laughs> yeah. not know the difference. Um, but I would like you, just because my friend Annette listens to this, and a lot of coffee-addicted people listen to the, my show. I know my friend Frank from Staten Island. He's, because of you, he's uh, eschewed as much caffeine as possible. Tell us, Carol Alt, why should we kind of – Stay away from the heavy caffeine days. Well, it's not so much the caffeine. I mean, yes, caffeine it kicks your adrenals, so it sends you into fight or flight. And of course, when your adrenals, when your adrenals fail, other other of your lymphatics of your um, endocrine system step up to take its place, and then you get a domino effect of each one of your glands kind of failing. So the older you get, the you know it's like a domino effect. So you really don't want any of your uh, endocrine system failing so you got to shore up all those glands you know because the glands do hormones they do they do everything it's what keeps you young and vibrant and running and going and if you're kicking your adrenals falsely kicking your adrenals every day that's kind of tough on the adrenals so that's why i gave up coffee but also coffee is very acidic to the body 
And people like you and me, we're like, you know, December 1st babies. We're go, go, go. We're type A plus. You know, we never stop. A new project comes along. We're, hey, yeah, let's go do that. And, you know, if you're constantly running, you're constantly creating a acid in the body, cortisone, cortisol. All these things are acidic to the body. And I found for me that all these things cause inflammatory issues. You know, so I, ha I, I don't want arthritis. I don't want cancer. I don't want yeah, all these inflammatory issues. So for me, what I try to do is I try to cut down on the things that I and my brain think cause these inflammatory issues. So I try to drink as much alkaline water as possible. Uh, lemon, <laughs> lemon. Put lemon, lemon in the water. Lemon. People think it's acid, but it's acid outside the body with alkaline inside the there body. There you go. See, well, that's what I'm taught. Uh, let's see what we did on the show today. We did Times Square. We did uh, we did Frank Caron, so we did politics, we did local New York, we did health and wellness, we did fashion shows. We, I mean, come and Arthur, on. I had no idea you did this from your office. That, this is listen, like awesome. You don't even I, have to go anywhere. I go from the law to radio and then back home if I'm lucky to see uh, Marion and the children before I go. But Carol Alt, thank lucky, you. Lucky, your new baby. You better see her. I, she's adorable. She was uh, 10 months on Saturday. Congratulations. Carol, thank you for making the trip. Thank you for being here. You're, you're a wealth of knowledge and information, and we're lucky to have you here in New York. All right, folks. Happy Tuesday night. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for the, thanks for hanging in with us. We'll see you later. Ciao. The preceding program sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi.